In this brand new episode of Gimme Some Truth, we delve into a topic area we haven't covered previously on the podcast, commercial real estate. Real estate analyst Giorgio Hopkins, a Madison native and UW-Madison grad, sits down with Jonathan and Nate to cover the basics on this potential investing avenue. We go over the essentials of the sector, how broader investing themes like COVID and interest rates have impacted commercial real estate, and how potential investors can access these types of investments. It's time for some truth. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Uh, this is Jonathan Jordan back in the booth here with Nate Condon. And Dan, of course, always helping us out behind the scenes and making us look and sound good. But I'm excited today because you know what today is, Nate? Um, other than the 27th, that's not right, of October, something the 26th, like that. 26th, but that's okay. But that's I'm a right. day ahead of myself. You know what it is? No. It's guest day. It is guest day. Yes. Love so, these days. Yeah. De- guest days are good days. Yeah, when we have podcasts and we have an opportunity to have a guest in, it's always great. And I'm pretty excited today. Um, to, to have with us Giorgio Hopkins, who I've met recently through some friends, and he was, uh, he was in their wedding, and we had a chance to, to meet uh, through this great group of guys, and they actually, many of them are U.S. Marines. And so when I was talking to Giorgio at the wedding, we were chatting a little bit about the Marine Corps and how my son kind of wants to be a Marine. And when, uh, when I found out Giorgio was a Marine, you know, I have a high respect for people who have served, so I appreciate your service, and I'm excited for my son to learn more about it. But I also got to know about how you became a Marine and where you came from, and I loved your story. And I wanted you to share a little bit about that today, if you're okay with that, and just let our listeners and some of our, our friends and clients out there kind of know what, what brought you, where you're from, and what brought you to the Marine Corps, and then we'll get to kind of where you're at now. I love it. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me Sorry, and uh, I'll make sure the, the mic is, is good. But uh, thank you so much for having me here today, and it's a pleasure to be in your presence. And um, honestly, it's, uh, it's fun to, to get on and talk about your experience and, and real estate in general. It's a big passion of mine, so uh, I'm really, really happy to be here. Um, a little bit of background on me. So from Madison, Wisconsin originally, and uh, grew up on the north side, so not too far from here, and then Went on to University of Wisconsin for my undergrad, so stomping grounds not too far from your office, which is very fun. Actually, I, I think I volunteered at, uh, I think it's called like Henry David Thoreau or something, yeah. elementary mm-hmm. up the road, right? Um, probably a mile or so, but uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun being back in this area. So was in the NROTC program, which just stands for Naval Reserve Officer Training Corps, uh, while I was at the university, and, and that essentially gets you prepared to serve as a military leader. And then once I graduated, I commissioned in the Marine Corps as a Marine Corps officer. So I was a second lieutenant. And then you go on to kind of your specialty school. So I was a a logistics officer. So that was my specialty, trained logistics. Um, So went through training in Quantico, Virginia, then training down in uh, North Carolina in a, a station called Camp Lejeune. It's near Jacksonville or an hour north of Wilmington. Most people know where Wilmington is. Um, and then, uh, my first duty station was out in 29 Palms, California. So served for about five years on active duty and then another three in the reserves. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty fun journey. Have to answer any questions. I remember it. You were deployed. Yeah. So I deployed, uh, overseas one time. It was a non-combat deployment, but it was to Darwin, Australia. So this was a, uh, which is a pretty, pretty fun, uh, deployment in comparison with some of the others out there. But, uh, 
this is around the time in, in 2016, 2017, when someone was a little nuclear happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we pre-deployed out there to uh, essentially make sure that we were ready to strike just in case anything happened. So um, I don't know. I, I Seeing all the training that just the Marine Corps and the other branches of service do, uh, it makes me very honored to be a member of this country, very honored to have served, but also extremely how shall I say, uh, confident in our abilities as a nation to defend ourselves. So, um, yeah, I'll leave it there. Excellent. And so, and you, and you have, um, you living out and towards Milwaukee area now. Yep. So we're out in uh, Pewaukee, my wife and I, and we have uh, three kids now. So we just had our third about a month ago. Oh, congrats. thank you. Thank you. So, uh, definitely staying busy. Good luck. Good luck with that. That sounds <laughs> sounds like sounds like that's going to keep you uh, busy, like when you were serving. Yeah, for sure. So, how did you get from there to where you're at now? Yeah, great question. So, it's a, a fun journey. So, I transitioned off active duty back in 2018. Um, when I did that, I went through a number of different transition programs um, because it's just like if you were working a, a job somewhere and you were trying to make a complete shift. To a new industry, it's very challenging. Yeah, it's a very sure. challenging thing to do. And so, luckily, I had a lot of mentors that poured into me, and they helped advise me along the way. And one of the things that one of my mentors helped me align to was, what do you actually want to do once you transition? What What do you want to do for the next 30, 40 years of right. your life? And for me, I had no idea. I had this logistic skill set, so I figured, okay, in the short term, I want to leverage that skill set. So that's what I did. I left the Marine Corps. I went and I worked for a transportation company as a logistics manager. So I did that for a couple of years. But in the process, I was also finding out how to make that uh, industry shift into what I actually wanted to do. And so my mentor helped me identify really what I wanted to do. And I had an interest in real estate really predating um, my time in the Marine Corps. So this is actually during college had an interest in it, did a lot of self-study, but didn't realize that I actually wanted to make it a career or that careers in real estate even existed until I started doing some some digging and some studying, found that there was something called uh, a data analyst or, or an investment analyst. And that intrigued me because I had a lot of the kind of skill sets and um, interests in the things that those um, roles kind of focused on. And so that's exactly what I try to do. How do I now market my existing skill set and obtain skill sets that allow me to then do that role? So did a number of things, went back to school, got my master's in real estate. I realized that I could probably do this for other people. And so I actually freelanced or other boutique shops that didn't have the in-house capability to do real estate investment analysis. And I did it for them for a fee. And then that then gave me the resume to be attractive to other industry professionals. So long story short, I currently work for a firm called MLG Capital. Um, we are uh, a nationwide commercial real estate uh, firm. So we invest in primarily multifamily and industrial assets, but we, um, and sorry, I didn't. Uh, oh, you're okay. I want to make sure that I, I. I think just knowing, you know, with that background there and, and what you guys do is going to lead into kind of what we're going to talk about today, which yep. is that 
you know, area as an asset class, but as an important part of how investment is made and where, where there are opportunities out there. I know in, in, in researching this, I was surprised to find out that the commercial real estate market is, you know, if you added up the, the value of all the assets of commercial real estate that we have in the United States, it's 20.7 trillion as of 2021. Got to assume that's a little bit higher now with the inflation that has happened to prices of, you know, properties and everything out there. Um, whether or not the market being down, you know, you can see the asset prices being higher. That That's, a, you know, almost the same size as our GDP in terms of how big that is. And, you know, when you look at residential real estate, which is, you know, places we live, their use assets, you know, that's roughly eight to 10 million, a uh, trillion, sorry, eight to 10 trillion now. So, mm-hmm. so that commercial space is a huge area and it's an area where there are investors look for an opportunity. In. And we often get clients who ask about commercial real estate. How can we get involved in it? Sometimes it's, I'm thinking about investing with some friends of mine that are developing a multifamily housing or um, apartment complex in the area. Do you think this is a good investment? And so we have the chance to talk about the suitability for them and the opportunity. But this is a space, is an area that you've been able to analyze and become an expert in. And I know Nate being here today has had a background in real estate. So we wanted to have a discussion today about this as an asset class, where we see it going in the future. And, you know, what are some ways that if, you know, clients or people out there listening are interested in learning about that they can get involved and invested in. So that's great. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that, that, um, you know, you're not here as a, as a, um, you know, sales pitch, sales, salesman, if you will, for your firm. It's a conversation about the asset class in general. And I think that John and I have realized through talking to clients that um, it may not be as as, uh, as sexy, if you will, as it used to be with, you know, Bitcoin's gotten a lot of a lot of headlines and, and um, you know, just just a lot of, you know, almost day trading now almost kind of feels like it's a revived a little bit. Unfortunately, real estate almost seems like it's fallen in the way, you know, in the, in the background a little bit. So help us understand why for some people it, it makes sense or, or, you know, kind of where would, would you say that it makes sense for somebody um, within their, uh, you know, allocation to, to, to put money toward real estate? What characteristics need to, to present themselves where this may be something that people want to look at? Yeah, that's a great question, Nate. And I think it really boils down to diversification in their portfolio overall. And and I'm sure with you guys being wealth managers, you probably focus a lot on diversification for your clients. And um, the power of real estate is it really gives you a little bit of a, um, a asset allocation that isn't directly correlated with the fluctuations of the market. And it's pretty tangible if you think about it. So um, whereas the market is so efficient because people can trade in and out every second of the day while the markets are open, real estate's a very slow moving machine. And so it's not uh, subject to as much volatility, right? So it doesn't get kind of re-evaluated as far as the, the pricing of an asset every second of the day while the market's open. Um, so it's just a slow moving beast. And so it's not directly correlated. So I would say individuals who maybe are seeking greater diversification. Sure. Right. And having a portion of their portfolio that isn't subject to volatility. And so you're probably looking at someone who's maybe a little bit farther in their, their careers and in their, their time, um, reaching towards retirement. Right. So maybe forties or later. And, and we do have clients that are, that are much younger that actually allocate, uh, to real estate as well. 
but you typically want to be well-established. I would say the biggest uh, thing that you want to consider, though, is your time horizon. And that's kind of what I'm getting at when I'm saying later in life is because it's a long-term investment. And typically, it's illiquid. So someone who, if you invest in the stock market, you can typically trade in and out whenever you want sure. or on any given day. Whereas if you're making an investment in real estate, you're typically making that investment for somewhere between three, seven, maybe even 10 years. Right. So it's a much longer duration and you have to be willing to essentially let your money work for you without being able to touch it, without being able to pull it out in the good and bad times and be okay with that. So a lot of people aren't okay with that and that's okay. It just is uh, something that is in the private real estate world, a factor. So just needing to... You brought up something really important there when you talk about liquidity too. And with real estate, I mean, it does have a market and it does have liquidity, but it's illiquid compared to say that, you know, the stock or bond market that we use, Mm -hmm. you know, generally for a lot of clients for diversification. If you individually even own or in a group own something, it's hard to sell quickly. But begs, you know, the question of why invest in it. And one of the things that I talk to clients about all the time, whether it's real estate or, you know, in a stock or a bond is what's the reason for the investment. And the number one reason for most people that they invest in something is for income. And the number two reason is generally income too. It's just income later. Whereas in we can only make money two ways off of an investment. And one is you pay me while I wait some interest or income off of it, or in the future, at a time when I sell it, I'm going to sell it for more than I paid for it and any of the expenses to keep it going and realize a profit for it. Yeah. So real estate to me, you know, creates that opportunity for income because if you have commercial real estate and they're, you know, the buildings and, and uh, rental units and everything are being rented, there's income generated off that and the profits flow through to the owners of that, whether it's through a fund or through the actual individual investment. And I think that, that they're, and lies the question of, you know, how important is it to have income producing investments that are in your portfolio and where real estate can fit in to become, you know, one of those. Um, now for the fund, like what you guys run, is it, do you have to be an accredited investor or is it something where people can get into a fund like that? Um, you know, just a, a retail market. Yeah. Great question. So uh, we'll zoom out and look at all the different offerings that are in the marketplace for private real estate. So typically you have REITs, so real estate investment trusts, and that's typically something that is most similar to a stock to where you can trade in and out more frequently. It's a little more liquid, but it gives you exposure to the real estate market. Then you have private funds and then you have individual deals or we call them syndications. Um, it syndications in comparison to the stock market is, is more similar to picking a stock. You're picking an individual deal. Deal being hopes. building or property, some a piece of physical real estate. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Spot on. So uh, let's just say this building, this is a, a retail center with multi-tenants in the building. So if you wanted to syndicate this building, you would say, hey, investors, I have an offering for you. You can invest in this building. You, it would be this amount of investment and the general return based on the rents that we plan to um, retrieve from this asset or the, and factoring in the expenses, the net profits will be X amount. So we'll generate this return for you. So that's an individual deal. And uh, typically you have to be an accredited investor. And so our offering, we are a fund 
And that is essentially just different in the sense of instead of picking a stock, like in the, the stock market, it's more so like an index fund. So it's like a basket of investments. Exactly. Sure. So you're investing in a fund that is then investing in multiple assets. So typically we're targeting anywhere from 25 to 35 different assets across the country. So now you're not just diversified in one single asset. You're diversified across multiple asset classes, multiple geographic regions. So it gives you a sense of safety in a sense or uh, a basis per asset that's much lower than putting 50000 or $100,000 into a single building. So this allows re, you know smaller investors to be able to get involved in this asset class if they wanted to. Exactly. So, uh, the, you know, a, a very popular headline recently, and, for, and rightly so, has been, you know, what the Fed has done with, with rates. And I'm sure that this is a, a, you know, a question that you get asked a lot. So <clears throat> when you have the the Fed doing what they've done, you know, from January till now, and, and, and in with the anticipation of maybe another bump in November, maybe another one in December, nobody really knows, but you know, we'll see what happens there. What has this done to your world in the last, you know, 10 months, you know, the, the, the first uh, 10 months of this year and what does it look like? And then going into next year? Yeah, this has been so interesting to watch. And so I would say what the fed did initially in 2020, when they dropped the rates is they actually, for the, for a period of time, probably about three to four months, there was zero activity in the marketplace. Interesting. And everyone was frozen. Debt markets were frozen. They weren't sure what was going to happen. But when rates dropped, it actually increased activity. It increased people being able to charge more rent. So you guys are probably aware that rents have been skyrocketing for the last couple of years. Yeah, I keep thinking of that that guy from uh, New York that ran for governor saying, the rent is too... Hi. <laughs> he actually ran for the rent is too dang high party. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is for real now. Rents rents are going up uh, much faster than housing prices, and that's that's going to have a, a drastic effect. We believe next year, uh, yeah, economic I, activity. I think I think you're spot on. And uh, in the same time period, we've seen house pricing soar as well. Things are starting to slow down a bit, especially from an activity standpoint. So when you look at and you compare the residential space and the commercial space, there's some differences. Um, you saw uh, residential, so buying a single-family home or even two- to four-unit property, so small uh, multifamily units, the transaction volume plummeted. What you're still seeing in the commercial space is there's still transactions being done. Transaction volumes have also plummeted. There's a, an interesting thing that's happening, though. So sellers are in this place to where they haven't yet capitulated. So they don't think that they should sell for a lower value than they could have sold in January or February sure. of this year right. when rates were in the twos and threes. So they are now in a position of reevaluating whether they need to sell. Sure. And many of them don't need to sell, but there are many that still do need to sell for whatever reason. Maybe their loan is coming due. So they have to either refinance or sell the asset. And if you refinance in a higher interest rate environment, and maybe your payments aren't enough to then service sure. the debt or your, your income generated on the asset isn't enough to service the debt on the property. So you might be in a position to where you have to sell that asset. So what we look for are the opportunities where individual owners have to sell their real estate in some way, shape, or form. And we look for assets that have some value add creation. 
So there might be some issue with management. And because we have an affiliate property management company, we now can go in with professional management and turn things around to then increase the net income produced at the asset. Um, we also look for rent discrepancies. So um, let's just say that there's uh, an apartment complex where maybe rents are $1,000, but all the other apartment complexes, the average rent in the building are $2,000. What's going on with that one in the middle that's only $1,000? Sure. Maybe the owners just haven't pushed the rents, or maybe they're all old interiors, or maybe there's something undesirable about the property. So can you bring in enough capital to revitalize that project to make it just as desirable as all the other assets around it? And if you can, then maybe you can't bridge the gap between the 1,000 to the 2,000, but maybe you can bridge it to 1,500. Sure. And now things get interesting from a net income growth perspective. And so, and we call that forced appreciation in real estate, but that's what we focus on uh, at our group is, is really value add real estate, forcing appreciation. And so to answer your question, Nate, we've still been able to find real estate transactions in this market by getting hyper-focused on what we're looking for. But it's been very hard. It's been very challenging because we're coming across more and more sellers that don't need to sell. And they're just pulling the properties off the market. Exactly. Interesting. Waiting for a brighter day. Um, uh, What has COVID done to it? You know, the work from home, the I don't need as much you know, the footprint doesn't need to be as big for me to run my business. The, you know, you know, the, obviously you're seeing big, uh, companies that, that, uh, um, just don't have that need anymore, or maybe they don't have the need in the short term, but they're not sure what the long term looks like. Yeah. So I think the office space is, is in some, some interesting times yeah. right now for sure. Um, you see more and more companies each day talk about, their workers are, are going to be remote permanently, or they're having trouble getting the workers back in the office. So those companies, what we believe long-term is they're probably going to downsize their footprint. So luckily we don't focus too much on office acquisitions or retail acquisitions. It's probably about 5% of what we've done historically sure. as a company. Um, but that is a very interesting asset class that I think could have some more turmoil here in the future. Uh, retail, very similar. I think it could have some turmoil, especially if it's not well located in some of the best areas in a city. I think that business owners probably don't want to occupy that retail space because it's going to affect their income generation. Uh, so I think that that asset class, especially for, you know, locations that aren't well located is going to suffer a bit. Mm. So we are primarily focused on multi-tenant industrial and multifamily. And with the industrial, if you look at the boom in e-commerce, supply chain, delivery, that's really what we're focused on is the multi-tenanted buildings from an industrial standpoint. It's usually it's flex space, which just means that there's a small office component and then there's essentially a warehouse in the back. So they can have their front office and then they can have all their operations run out of the same shop. And so there's a lot more work on the management side of the business when dealing with this type of asset. But we believe, because we've been able to do it for so many years, our firm's been around for 35 years now, that we can manage that properly. And that excites us. Many people shy away from that asset class. So that gives us kind of an edge in acquiring those types of assets. Multifamily, if you just look at the macroeconomic fundamentals of multifamily, I think it has kind of the, the view of being a very good place to invest for a very long time, at least the foreseeable future. Because especially all the dynamics. And we talked about rising interest rates, which is making home ownership 
a little bit out of reach for a lot of people. And so more people, unfortunately, will become renters because of this. However, they can't build enough buildings fast enough, right? They can't build single-family homes fast enough. They can't build apartment units fast enough. We're two, we're so, two million behind. Like, yeah, we're two our, million our need behind We're in today. a totally different position than we were at in the financial crisis 13 years ago. 100%. So. And we continue to grow our households. So the census data, they have shown for the last 10 years that we are pacing at about a million new households created every single year. Wow. We're already two million households behind in creation, but we're not building, we're not bridging the gap between the million that are created every year. So what we focus on is, uh, is essentially acquiring existing assets in the market today. And again, adding value. So not brand new construction, not, uh, um, uh, kind of affordable housing, but something in the middle. Well, yeah. something, something different too. You know, when I watched you walk by here earlier today down here on beautiful Monroe street, you know, we're in a, in a building that that's kind of our flagship and, and branded to us. We love being here, but we share space with Madison chocolate company next door. And then there's people living above and, and their condos and, you know, these, these multi family places, but this is almost a multi-use. And I, I jokingly said that by the time you got around the building to our, our front door, which is actually in the back, you probably had a good assessment of what we had going on here just by looking at it. Right. Cause you're in this, in this business. Um, looking at the chocolate company. Next yeah. Door. <laughs> yeah. It's so unique and different. I think there's, you know, adaptation to what COVID has had happen with people working from home and maybe even a period where there's going to be office share spaces. I know that's happening a lot in California where there's space issues and, and, uh, as in other big cities as well, but you know, we'll see more of these multi-use um, areas, but I, I just want to let you know, like when we, when we say that, you know, real estate as an investment, it's not for everybody out there, but if it's something that you're interested in, if you're a client of ours, it's something we want to talk to you more about, um, you know, not necessarily specific to commercial real estate, but using it as a portion of your portfolio, you know, we'd be happy to do that. I know, you know, on behalf of Nate, who's got a real estate background, I know that, you know, I've had numerous, you know, things put in front of me by clients and having to review them. This is going to become more and more important for retirees. And we have a massive amount in the baby boomer generation that's going to be retiring and looking for income. So this will be, you know, a portion of, of an income source for many people, um, things that we want to discuss. But in meeting you at the wedding and asking you to come in here and not having known anything about our podcast, I have to say you did exceptionally well, and, and I know our listeners are, are, are going to have learned something because I know I learned some stuff today, which is great. Um, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to come over here. I know this is a little bit bringing it back home for you because you're living out towards Milwaukee, right? Yeah. Um, were you a Pergolder? Yeah, I was. You were. Yeah, so we, Madison East High School. We've got some go. Pergolders here. And then I know, I don't, what, what is Janesville Craig? Like, what do you, what, what was your guys? Coug Cougars. 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 Yep. You know, I I yep. kind of want to say the Cougars sounds like a sexy name because that'd be the second time <laughs> that word was dropped on the podcast. Maybe in, we could, we could probably word check it, but I, that was the way you called it earlier. He said, "I like that." Right, so. right. Well, I mean, you know, that's it's where we're at nowadays. I Absolutely, mean, it's, it's investments are getting they're getting a little. Uh, you know, they, that's how they're getting, <clears throat> good or bad. You yep. know. Well, I, again, I want to thank you for that today. And, um, you know, we're going to wrap it up for, uh, for Give Me Some Truth today. You know, stay tuned. Please check in next week. And, uh, Giorgio, we want to thank you again. So yeah. have a great day, Thanks everybody. So much Thanks so much. 
Wachter Conant Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Wachter Conant Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.